Welcome to a special review recap episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. I'm coming to you today because on Tuesday, April 4th, the new Broadway musical Shucked opened at the Nederlander Theater, and we have all of the reviews for you. If you're unfamiliar with how we do review recap episodes, if you're listening to this on Patreon, this is a standalone episode. But if you are hearing this in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. Although Shuck started its life as something called the Hee Haw Musical, it has morphed into a completely original show featuring a book by Tony winner Robert Horn and music and lyrics by country singer-songwriters Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally. It is directed by the multiple Tony Award winner Jack O'Brien and choreographed by Sarah O'Glebby. The cast has a ton of recognizable names, mostly from stage, but some from screen as well, including John Bailman, Kevin Cahoon, Andrew Durand, Gray Henson, Caroline Anna Bickler, Ashley D. Kelly, Alex Newell, and others. According to the official plot description, Shucked is a hilarious new musical fable about an unlikely hero, an unscrupulous con man, and an unforgettable battle for the heart and soul of a small town. And if you haven't heard, there's a lot of corn in this show. Uh, both visually and in terms of the plot, and a lot of puns from what I understand. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. The review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 15 reviews as of recording time. 12 of them were positive, 3 were mixed, and none were negative. Let's start with the review from Jesse Green of the New York Times, who was mixed. He said, quote, Somehow framed as a fable of both communal cohesion and openness to strangers, Shucked has very little actual plot, and what there is, much of it borrowed from The Music Man, is rickety. Minor love complications as Lulu falls for Gordy, even though Gordy is romancing Maisie, are only as naughty as noodles. And using a pair of winky storytellers to speed past plot holes does not exactly make for cutting-edge dramaturgy. Evidently, the authors and director Jack O'Brien meant to glue the show together with Groaners, a gutsy if not entirely successful move. As the jokes wear down your resistance, they also wear you out. Nor do they provide the narrative structure that typically gives characters in musicals reasons to sing. Maisie and Bo have some nicely turned, strongly hooked numbers, and Interbickler and Durand perform them well, but we aren't invested in them enough to care. With their needs so flat, the extra dimension of song seems like overkill. Oddly, it's only the secondary characters who are complicated enough for music. Well, really, just one of them. Newell turns Lulu, a whiskey distiller and freelance hellraiser, into a full-blown comic creation, which is to say a serious person who puts comedy to a purpose. If her dialogue is wittier than the others, that's partly because it engages the story, however thin, but mostly because of the intentionality of Newell's delivery. Moving on to Brittany Samuel, who reviewed the show for Broadway News, she said, quote, the riotous new work nabs acoustic inspiration from country music and tonal humor from shows like The Book of Mormon and Tootsie to form a delirious production that treats a seasonal crop, corn, more like the second coming. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars saying, quote, The jokes pop like corn on a cast iron stove in the musical Shuck. They pour out in a ceaseless succession of happy little bursts, one after another, pop, pop, to be buttered and saltered by a game and endearing cast. Are those cobs in the actor's pockets, or are they happy to see you? Wow, interesting, Adam. Both, he says. And if a few kernels fail to inflate, they're forgotten amid the bounty. Before you know it, you're gorged to satisfaction on a big, tasty bag of Broadway puff. Jackson McHenry of Vulture had one of my favorite little quotes in the reviews, who said, quote, The best way I can describe the musical Shucked is by paraphrasing the Roy Cohn character in Angels in America. It's about corn, singing corn, You'll love it. Well done. 
Well done. Juan A. Ramirez reviewing the show for Theaterly said, quote, Shucked is about as quick and easy a good time can be had on Broadway. Accessible, unpretentious, and, I'll be damned, a whole lot of fun. Matt Winman of AM New York was mixed, saying, quote, One could try to read into it as a parable of community, commitment, tolerance, and so on. But Shucked is really just a lightweight and laborious attempt at resurrecting old-fashioned musical comedy with a country flavor and corn as high as an elephant's eye. And though I am loath to include a review from Johnny Oleksinski from the New York Post, I am going to end with a little nugget from his review. He said, quote, Well, it is real. And you know what? It's real good, too. If you're fond of laughing, Shucked is the best new musical of the Broadway season so far. Wow. If you would like to read all of these reviews as well as others, we will have both the Did They Like It recap and the Broadway World Review Roundup in the show notes. That is all that I have for you on this review recap episode. If you are hearing this in Patreon, have a wonderful rest of your night if it's on Tuesday or day on Wednesday. If you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will now send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Uh, Ashley, over the weekend on our Patreon feed at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon, the great Jan Simpson had her latest episode of All the Drama in which she investigated the 1922 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama, Anna Christie by one Eugene O'Neill. That episode will be dropping in the regular feed coming up, but if you want to hear it before anybody else, head over to our Patreon. We have been having a few technical difficulties with our feed here lately in terms of the Today on Broadway episodes. That was a behind-the-scenes issue with our uh, web platform WordPress, which is a gigantic pain in the butt, uh, but it has been remedied. <laughs> so if anybody has been having trouble getting those episodes, they are now all on your feed and we apologize for the issues. Now, we are recording on Tuesday, uh, as you all know, because it comes out early in Patreon, but on Tuesday night... Over at the Nederlander Theater, the latest Broadway show to open will have its opening night on Tuesday night. That is Shucked, the musical. Shucked. You saw it with Robbie this uh, this past I, weekend, right? I did. Yes, indeed. Okay. We'll save your thoughts until it's open, since I they believe they were on mm-hmm. press tickets, so you can't talk yes, about it yet. correct. Um, but it features a book by Tony winner Robert Horn and music by country music uh, singer-songwriter extraordinaires Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally. It also is um, directed by Jack O'Brien, choreographed by Sarah O'Glebby, and has a fantastic cast, including John Bailman, uh, Kevin Cahoon, Andrew Durand, Gray Henson, Caroline Interbickler, Ashley D. Kelly, Alex Newell, and others. We have talked about the fact that they are releasing a cast album on May 5th. Yep. We've seen There's some performances. Yeah, we, we had that video of Alex doing a song, and uh, Andrew Duran did a, sh- a song on the Today Show a couple weeks ago. Oh, so it right. sounds, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's just, and you've seen it, an absolutely delightfully corny good time. Ah, and, and very much you're looking forward on to in. seeing it. Play it out into the corn puns. You gotta do it. Yeah, you know, do what I can. Um, but. Uh, we will have a review recap episode of all of these episodes, assuming, or of all of these reviews, assuming that they come out at a reasonable time, which they have not been doing here lately. Uh, waiting no. to release <laughs> reviews till 11 p.m. or midnight is not ideal. And a lot of them will come out early, but it seems not 
complete to do a review recap episode if the New York Times isn't out. So we usually hold off on that, but I will be keeping an eye on it. And assuming I don't fall asleep before the reviews come out, I will have a review recap episode in high. the Patreon feed. Yeah, especially lately. I used to stay up to like yeah. one, two in the morning, and now I'm getting up at oh, six. Yeah. And it's just changed my whole life. No, thank but, you. Um, if I am able to get that in, you've already heard those those recap or those reviews, so you are all good to go. But let's get into the news yesterday. And if you listened to yesterday's today on Broadway, you heard me tease this one, uh, not too too subtly, but maybe you were able to figure it out. But in a you not subtle. Sh- I mean, you were making fun of me for another tease <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a Twitter yeah. or a, a text thread yeah. the other day. Uh, this is a, but. My tease aside, like this is a fairly staggering announcement, and we'll get to why here in a minute. But following its sold out and highly acclaimed production at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, Lorraine Hansberry's The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window, starring Oscar Isaac, making his Broadway debut, which is nuts to me, knowing how much Broadway yeah. classic theater he has done. Um, Oscar Isaac, and of course, Broadway regular and Emmy Award winner Rachel Brosnahan, will be transferring to Broadway this season. Folks, it is. April 4th, when this it's was announced. April 4th. <laughs> performances, <disgusted>. begin, <laughs> performances begin on April 25th. That is three weeks from the day it was announced. Opening night, April 27th, two days later. This is an absolute unprecedented thing as far as I can remember in recent memory. The reason for this happening, of course, is the fact that the only theaters that were open as of, you know, two days ago were the Circle in the Square Theater which we had been led to believe was going to have a certain off-Broadway musical transfer uh, into that space. That did not happen at Circle in the Square. And the James Earl Jones Theater, which was supposed to be the home of Room. That show got canceled just a few weeks ago, and in its place is coming the sign in Sidney Brewstein's window. So this production will only run for for a limited 80 performances. I am shocked that they were able to get that much out of Rachel Brosnahan and Oscar Isaac, given how in demand they both are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it sneaks into the James Earl Jones Theater, meaning that every theater will be occupied either this spring or shortly into the summer, because we've talked about how many shows are are beginning into the summer, except for uh, Circle in the Square Theater, which was supposed to have a show. We would have had a full... A full um, set of theaters, save for the complete the, set. The palace, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the palace is closed still for renovations. Yeah. And the majestic is is closing. Um, Phantom here in a couple of weeks, and then doing its own renovations. So for the most part, every theater would have been filled. But this is it's staggering it's to me. Shocking. Actually, it is it beyond really, really staggering. Is. And when so many other shows are opening and having to see so many shows, I know a lot of people will be like, what a first world thing to complain about. But I'm sorry. It's exhausting going to shows <laughs> most nights. And I will complain about it. I'm really excited about this. I didn't get to see it at BAM. Um, what a great move to get Oscar Isaac on Broadway. At any yes. given point, but especially with how hot he is right now, um, as eternally the internet's boyfriend, I think I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Maybe like Lady Day. Um, as far as this quick of a turnaround, I'm sure there's got to yeah, be. I don't remember that one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was within four weeks, maybe. Um, I'd have to look to see what else, yeah. but I can't think that of anything. Well. At least in the past ten years, yeah, absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, this had it makes sense because of the quick turnaround. This show just ended its off Broadway run at BAM. It broke 
every house record at the Harvey Theater there. And this is the yeah. first BAM produced production to transfer to Broadway in 35 years since the gospel. That's at, uh, shocking. Yeah. It's just crazy with all the great stuff that happens there. But it really it is such a tight fit. They are they are threading a needle here that they had to have a production that, one, wasn't super technical, that can move in fairly quickly. They yes. had just finished, so they didn't have to worry too much about uh, rehearsals and everything. They're having three previews. That is – bonkers <laughs> they're me. very clearly taking um advantage as you said of these two people's very busy schedule where it's clearly they had this run in maybe a couple more months before their filming schedules yeah. pick up massively again so i'm glad this is happening because it's probably quite literally the only time they could ever do it yeah and given the fact that this show was written by lorraine hansberry uh, half yes. a century ago like th it, there's probably a very limited chance that the show would ever be on broadway in the next you know three four decades even definitely uh, yeah. if it wasn't for this company so very excited about that i, I will warn and producing you from what I've heard. team and producing team for that yes. i know like jeremy o'harris is on the producing team and he's obviously yep. been very vocal about getting lesser seen black works up on any yep. stage in new york for that matter yeah, and Seaview, uh, I believe, is the lead producing yeah. company. They are mm -hmm. one of the, the best companies out there, production companies, doing really innovative and interesting stuff on Broadway. I think they were actually a part of Slave Play as well, which is where the Jeremy O'Harris mm -hmm. um, uh, connection comes with. But um, very excited about that. It'll be, like I said, running from April 25th currently through July 2nd. Does that mean there cannot be any extensions i don't know but it is a fairly limited Unlikely. run for folks yeah. yeah i mean maybe they have some built in already so where they can just you know keep the the ticket demand early and then <gasps> yeah, extend a couple maybe. weeks but but it is a a pretty staggering uh turnaround annie kaufman is is directing other people in the cast include gus bernie uh reed bernie's uh, daughter uh, julian de niro robert de niro's son oh my uh, god nepotism <laughs> yeah, we talked about this when it was being announced. I think it must have been These great babies. tonight. Um, yeah, Andy Gratolution is in it as well. So uh, always great to see him. In uh, another announcement that was less surprising, but still surprising, I suppose. Um, we got a new Audrey coming in to yeah. West Side Theater's production of Little Shop of Horrors, which made me very, very excited because she was an original cast member of this production of Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. <laughs> and that is Joy Woods, who originated the role of Chiffon in this production. And she is now going to be taking over as Audrey, beginning on May 2nd at the West Side Theater off-Broadway. She will succeed uh, Maude Apatow, who I'm Assuming is is healthy from being concussed backstage, apparently. Yeah. Uh, which is something that she talked uh. about on a late <laughs> night show. Um, but this is very cool. They put out a video of her doing Suddenly Seymour with Matt Doyle, which she is uh, going to be joining on stage. And uh, it's just really, really cool. She was one. It's nice to see a woman of color get the opportunity to do this role off Broadway in this yes, production. Please. Um, and but she was great in that. Oh, of course, in, in, yeah. In that role in the original production. So I am very excited to see her. She has had um, most, she was on Broadway in six, like in between the first company and like that second new company. She kind of came in as the Catherine Parr um, once and Uzele oh, left. Right. Uh, so okay. I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah. But, um, but so uh, this is great. I thought she was fantastic as Chiffon and Absolutely. very excited about this. The yeah. video of her and Matt is, is really, really good. 
Love that. Very excited. I keep saying every single time they release new casting, I have to get back to go see it because it's been a really long time. I think actually since she was in the cast of, as Chiffon. Yeah. So time to see her come back, maybe? maybe? Question mark. Yeah. Maybe. And seeing Matt Doyle in the role is always and a good thing. And seeing Matt too. Doyle, of course. Because apparently he's leaving for something else fairly soon, too. So we'll see what that's all about. All right. Um, let's get over to last week's Broadway grosses. A really good week. Again, another kind of wave of northern spring breaks that will be pumping up a lot of the family-friendly shows, which we'll get to in a second. Overall, the Broadway grosses were $34,410,203, a 5% increase. Over the previous week, about $1.8 million over the previous frame. Attendance came in at just a shade under 271000 up 4%. Of course, at the top of the list was the Phantom of the Opera because it's wow, selling like shocking. an average ticket. Listen, this is going to make you hurl. The average ticket Too price late. to get into Phantom of the Opera last week was $248.57. That, I, just want, I, just, I just want to put this out there. $248.57 is $26.5 less than the top ticket price for Wicked. So it's just and it's, it's, it's 50 bucks more than, than The Lion King. Um, I mean, good for them. I, like, yeah, I'm happy for, for everybody them, in that company. Good it's Lord. the same amount as the top ticket price for MJ. I mean, it's just nuts. Um, but I, anyway, mean, I, won't, the re- I won't hurl because I'm well past my Phantom-related hurling in this lifetime but good lord like i told you i've looked i even i have looked at tickets you did uh to see in the past uh, to see in the last couple weeks of its run potentially and i think the cheapest i saw was five hundred dollars that is ridiculous to me (laughs) obviously i mean i will say it's not like they haven't had a crap ton of really cheap tickets over the years to this show so of if you course. really wanted to see it i did uh, people had the opportunity obviously. no no i didn't mean you i meant i meant the <laughs> theoretical you folks had i've the already opportunity seen to see this bad cinderella this month so i think i'm i think i'm set on andrew lloyd weber musicals for a minute fair fair um the rest of the top five for last week's grosses were the lion king at 2.27 wicked at 2 million hamilton at 1.99 million funny girl at 1.8 the rest of the shows north of seven figures into sitting order are mj sweeney todd sweeney todd just still having seven performances moulin rouge aladdin cursed child and juliet six came in at 1.17 million but it had nine performances last week interestingly enough uh parade is up there uh, the Book of Mormon, and uh, that is at all of the shows north of $1 million. Down at the other end of the scale, to quote Andrew Lloyd Webber's show uh, for you there, uh, the Thanksgiving play mm. was in the rear at just $190,000, $191,000. Of course, Subscription House always happens in the first couple weeks of previews. I... I never know what to make of shows in the haze because they don't, they're not super expensive. Half of the houses are always, or a good percentage of the house is subscription already. And it, it's a tiny, tiny house. So like, they're not going to make a ton of money there. So uh, I will say they also comp less, at least historically for me, they comp interesting. fewer press seats than I have seen for other companies. So you are more apt to get actually paying people there in those seats. Sure. Yeah, but there's only 597 seats, so yeah, it's exactly. a very, very <laughs> limited man. number there. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, real quick, coming out on uh, Thursday, tomorrow, April 6th on Paramount Plus is the new musical series Grease colon Rise of the Pink Ladies. It is available uh, on both levels of Paramount Plus. And I wanted to run through some of the reviews for it. I'm not going to do a ton here, just some little snippets from a few. It is essentially a prequel to the Greece stories that we know. However, it is very much through a lens of the 21st century, having a little bit more um, focus on uh, feminism and uh, equality across both races and genders and all of those different types of things that are far more important to modern audiences than they were when Greece's one set and originally written. So mm-hmm. there probably is a little bit of 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 disconnect if you like we're going to watch this straight into Greece itself. Um, but nonetheless, it is out there. Uh, Christine Baldwin from Entertainment Weekly said, quote, when Rise of the Pink Ladies leans into its vision of the protagonists as equal rights innovators, it sings. Based on the first half of the 10 episode season, however, that message is uh, is too often muffled by the surplus of mostly forgettable music, overly long episodes mm. and lukewarm central love stories. Carla Meyer from Datebook said, quote, the four actors singers create beautiful harmonies together, yet Pink Ladies never quite transports. It is partly the 1954 of it all and how roadblocks outnumber triumphs for the girls, even when teamed up. But it's also because songs written for the show by Grammy nominee Justin Trainter, who wrote Justin Bieber's Sorry and Selena Gomez's Good For You, although pleasant, lack a certain spark. Eric Masato from Collider said, quote, Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies puts on a show in every aspect. The series kicks off with an elaborate musical number filled with one-take shots that introduce the main cast with a bang. That's e- What's even more surprising, those elaborate scenes and song sequences are not limited to the first episode. They happen again as the series progresses, which shows the cast and creators are committed to bringing it 100% every time. And then finally, uh, Rachel Labonte from Screen Rant said, quote, In some ways, the prequel series captures the spirit of the original Grease, though its more progressive storylines and casting decisions make it make its positioning in the franchise's timeline a bit odd. Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies doesn't quite justify its existence, but those willing to give it a try will be rewarded with an entertaining ride. Um, uh, so I think okay. it's, it's hit or yeah. miss. Yeah, like it's, it's going to be a thing. Like I said when the trailer came out, like I it, it was a much more prestige looking production than I expected it to be. I expected this to be like a Disney Channel movie kind of kind of thing, which is fine. I love me some, you know, descendants and zombies and I love that stuff. But uh, Mm -hmm. this just felt a little bit more uh, sophisticated than that. So I I, I will be checking it out. And I will note that I was glad to see that even though these aren't exactly like trade publications in like the New York Times or anything like that, uh, I did was very glad to see that the majority of the reviews that I was able to pull out were by women. So I think that is a good thing as well. A small miracle, quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of musical series heading to streaming services today, April 5th, the first two episodes of season two of Schmigadoon are available on Apple TV+. Plus. The entire company from the previous season is back with some other really, really cool folks, including your man, Patrick Page, uh, is there for this season. And it is instead not looking at musicals of the golden age, but now looking at the musicals of the 1960s, 1970s in a new town called Chicago. And uh, in our feel good recommendation, I have a, an exclusive clip from the Broadway world of Jane Krakowski channeling Billy Flynn in a Chicago set number with some very, I don't know if I would say risque, but probably 
a period appropriate innuendo for uh, for some folks in that number. Mm-hmm. If you want to uh, check that out, mm-hmm. especially when you think like you think, oh, that's a really modern joke, and then you're like, oh no, wait, when you're good to mama is in that exact same show. There's innuendo is not lost on Candor and Ebb, so uh, very cool in in that as well. So I will uh, have that in the show notes. You should check that out, and uh, you know, I I I think we were all kind of mad lukewarm like enjoyed it but it wasn't great in the first season i'm interested to see what they do in the second season though because it's it's something that i want it to work well uh even if like i'm not sure on the execution yeah and yeah i was gonna say i think we were lukewarm as opposed to more meh because i do think we saw a lot of potential in it and i still see a lot of potential in it i think any season one of a comedy is hard to start with um so i'm hoping sophomore season got their feet under them a bit more. I'm sure it'll be fun, if nothing else. I, everyone in that cast is excellent, and I love all of those people, so just seeing them do anything musical is a delight to mine eyes. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we get... Uh, like I said, Jane Krakowski is back, but also joining the company is Titus Burgess. So I'm hoping we uh, get some yes. sort of interaction with those uh, two uh, who have such a great history together. And, and I'm hoping they learned. I think one of the things that at least I felt, and I think you and Grace agreed, um, the season one really picked up when they started focusing more on Ariana DeBose and Jaime Camille. So I'm hoping that yeah. we get more of them. It's always I a good rule of f- thumb. Yeah, like get the most like charismatic people in the world to do more on your TV exactly. shows because, because Ari and Weird. Heidi are literally how that two helps. of the most. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely nuts. Um, I will note Aaron Tveit appears in this clip a little bit and he's dressed in like a, clearly a, a reference to hair. And I think he has a sock puppet on his hand. So I have no idea what that is, uh, but I'm intrigued with lunacy, Aaron Tveit. Sure. Yeah, Aaron Tveit channeling Claude or whoever he is in hair with a sock puppet. Uh, that makes me interested at least. So, all right, that is all that we have. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No This Is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>